Powerful Nana is focused on the concept of generous thinking and revealing the importance of identity formation through the lens of black hair. Explore these findings and more at mycallfulnana.com. Feel free to hit subscribe and consider following us on Instagram and Twitter at mycallfulnana. Thanks for listening. What I'm currently realizing is that in today's world, we're often bombarded with information and forced to consider what deserves my attention, sympathy, empathy, money, and time. What I'm realizing is what we think might be able to heal the world might not be what the world needs. So why are we talking about something that seems as myopic as black hair? Well. My name is Lauren Stockman-Brown. I am the founder of My Callful Nana, and I believe that a conversation on a topic as simple as hair can provide the ideal framework, language, and analytical evidence that the world needs to understand why we are the way we are. So, how are you feeling? (laughs) Excited. Excited. And nervous. Nervous, yeah. <laughs> Professor Mahmoudibodian was nervous, and I was like, oh my goodness, like, no way you're nervous. The amount of talks he's given. Um, but he said, once I started pulling out like the mics and the headphones, he was like, he just got, he's like, I'm nervous. Yeah, me too. I come in and I'm like, oh, oh all these logistics, cool. Let's have a conversation. Yes, no, it's going to be fun. And I feel like when I talked to Aliyun and with Professor Mahmoudibodian, time just like, by. Yeah, because the conversation is amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Yo, thank you. When it's really rich, you don't mm-hmm. even feel the time go by. Yeah, but that's why we're both uh, school nerds. We just mm-hmm. want to go back to school for the rest of our lives. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, but I'd love to hop in. Would you mind introducing yourself, um, your birthplace, and your race and nationality? My name is Dr. Kwakasal. I um, was born and raised in Senegal, uh, she, her pronoun, and I'm a black woman. Mm. I'm a mother of three girls. Mm. I am Senegalese. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Off of that? So I've had pronouns in the interview questions, and I've just kind of been leaving it up to whoever I interview to like, if they want to talk about it or use them. And I'm wondering, is it, what gravitated, what, cause that's not really something I've been asked while living in Senegal, what are your pronouns? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering why, why you gravitated towards sharing your pronouns. I did it because I, well, okay, I grew up here, you know, that's not part of my culture, mm-hmm. but when I went to the US to do my master's and PhD, at UMass, the University of Massachusetts Amherst, we had a lot of discussion around identity because it's a white, pre, uh, predominantly white university. Yes. And we have, we had like small groups of, I was the only one, I mean, me and another guy from Senegal, for example. Mm-hmm. And so I think the pronoun part of your identity, that's part of your identity and that's important. And I want to respect that. Mm-hmm. Although it's something new for me, yeah. you know, but I think whatever part of your identity is important, all parts are important. Mm-hmm. And when you ask me about it, 
I reply with the she her pronoun, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and I try to also learn a lot about the other pronouns that mm. people use because I want to respect human beings and how they see themselves. Okay, amazing. Um so, I know you just mentioned your um experience getting your masters and PhD in the states. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um and what brought you to academia? Uh, oh yeah, right? So, I'll tell you a little story about Kokorka is. So, I grew <laughs> up in Chess and my mm. uh, grandparents come from the north of Senegal and we are Fulani. Mm. And in the Fulani culture in the past, women couldn't go to school. Couldn't. Couldn't. Because school was seen as a sin. Because mm. it's the occidental means of turning women into devils. School is the accidental means at the time of turning women into devils. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. So it was the... It was the mean. It was seen that way in my, in my family, in my culture, that we do have education already in the house. You know, through your relationship with your parents, with your grandparents, with your cousins, with your family, with your community, and your religion. You know, so. But what's interesting is that my grandfather saw it differently. He said, huh, why would I not want to send my daughters to school? You know, I think they could go because if I base everything on religion, for example, it says go, go the furthest way mm. to learn, to study. Interesting. You can go like as far as necessary to learn new things because life is about learning. Now, what's important is what you make of the learning. Mm. Okay? And he said, in addition to what you learn in the house, school could be something, a bonus for you. Because if you don't learn how other people live, you don't know it. Mm. You don't appreciate your own learning then and what you have. So I'm the first girl in my family to go to the university. Wow. So and to, to go get, to college. To go to college. Wow. And to get a PhD. That's why when I introduced myself, I insisted on the doctor yes. because I earned it. Yes. I worked for it. Yes. And my mom was my role model about it. Mm. She didn't go to school. But every time she makes sure that we go to school, that we learn our lessons, that we believe in ourselves in the classroom, saying that I'm bringing something. I'm not just here to take things from school. I'm here to bring also my own identity, my own values, my own way of living. So because I'm a human being, I'm a person, you know. She really influenced me a lot. My mom has seven girls and two boys. Whoa. Every time she has girls, you know what people would joke about it? They would say, another girl? And she's like, well, listen, I don't care about the sex or the, the gender. What matters is that I'm bringing in earth human beings that will have impact and positive impact in our lives. 
And she was right. She is right. You know. Yes. She used to say that for your identity, what's important is really you know yourself, wherever you are. So when I was to go to the US for my master's and PhD, yeah. she was like, go for it, girl. <laughs> you know, go for it. Yes. Because you deserve it. Mm. And once you are there, don't act as if you like begging for knowledge. No. You're learning, but you're bringing something into the classroom. That's why mm. my experience in the US has been so interesting. Okay, tell me about that. Tell me about that. Because right? I was at UMass. I want to make sure I'm getting... I, was, I just got nervous that we were like losing something. Okay, because so. Because I was at UMass, right? Yeah. And the first like impression that people had, they're like, where are you from? I'm like, from Senegal. Africa! And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's in West Africa. Yes. And it's a tiny little country mm. in West Africa. Africa has 52 countries, if yes. you want to know. Mm. And I am Fulani. Okay, and we mm. speak Wolof in Senegal, and we were colonized by France. All these things are part of my story and who I am today. Yes. Okay? Yes. In the classroom, when we do readings and discussions, my white colleagues would be like, blah, 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 talking. And I just <laughs> wait, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait until you're done, and I'm going to tell you yes. that you think that you are smarter than everybody. You're not. Because you're so ignorant about mm. specific cultural values that are so important. For example, sharing. When I bring my food in class, I mm. share with people and they're like, the way the look in their face show that you don't know it. And I'm like, that's okay that you don't know it. Yeah. But don't judge me because I'm doing it. Mm. There are certain things that are so important in life. Yes. Time. The value of humanity. I'm looking at you as a person. I'm not looking at you based on how you look, based on your skin color, based on your accent. I run a lot of workshops, like when I was at UMass, I was mm -hmm. part of student organizations, just to try mm -hmm. to motivate people, especially those who are from underprivileged groups, mm -hmm. tell them that, you know what, you're worth it. You have so much to bring in this world. Please don't let these standard whiteness rules kind of characterize who you're gonna be. You when did say this, no. when did when did this happen? Like when did you realize? When did that click for you? When I was in my house in Senegal as a young girl, it started there. It started in my house. It started mm. in the way that I was brought up. It started with my father. Not being like the violent man as, you know, like the, yeah. the, 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 the authority yes. of the house. Mm. I had never seen that in my house. I lived in a very peaceful family where conversation, conversation, like discussion. Mm -hmm. You know, discussion can't happen even it's just one person speaking. Mm -hmm. Our father taught us the respect of the other opinion, but also taught us how important our opinion is. Mm. You know what I mean? I do know. It got amplified as I grow up, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. when I was in Senegal. I used to be a student and find a job. That's rare to see in Senegal, especially for girls. For You'd be day. like waiting for somebody to take care of you. And mm. I'm like, I'm not waiting for anybody to take care of me because I can take care of myself and my needs. Mm. I already know where I am going. 
I know it. How? How? It's a feeling. I think it's like a strength that your parents mm-hmm. need to teach you. Mm-hmm. Your interaction in within like not just family, but like people that you interact with. They would have a positive impact on who you are, on your confidence. Mm. That is just there. Like mm. and I have been, you know, like that's so present mm. in my family, so present that like a lot of things in this world wouldn't amaze me that much because I'm like they were not born with it you are not born mm. with something yes you work to get it we were talking about how this podca- podcast was born right correct was it the same like today no no <laughs> I would never it was, imagine yeah right it was an idea that you had and then you were like why don't I try that's what I love mm. I love when people believe that they can do it by themselves mm. I love when you believe in yourself because you have a natural power to decide what your life will be tomorrow. With a little push of mentors, of people pushing you and a lot of role models that you're looking up to kind of, you know, copy. Mm. You just get there. Like, I am so proud to, to say that I am my mom Like, my mother didn't go to school, but she taught us so much that even, like, growing up, I'm never, like, I don't feel, I don't hesitate. I'm like, this idea is cool. Let me yeah. pursue it and see. If it fails, that's okay. Hmm. I'm going to try again or try it in a different perspective and see what, what happens. Okay, so... First off, that was beautifully said, and thank you for sharing all of it. Um, thank you. Another, another thing that I've been trying to work on um, and work towards is trying to understand how our personal narratives help us understand you know, our, our goals or what we're drawn to. I know that you, your research, I would love to hear more about your research. Um, I know that you do work on pan-Africanism, you've done work on uh, negritude, double consciousness, Um, all of these kind of uh, key words we hear if you read any African-American studies work, what do they mean to you and, and your decision to devote your life to understanding them mm-hmm. in relation to your, your story? I think what I mean to me is, first of all, my identity. Mm-hmm. Because if you always hesitate about who you are, there's a problem for you to find ground. You need to be grounded first, mm-hmm. you know, to know who you are to know what you want and why you want it, mm. you know. Like growing up in Senegal, I would speak Fulani in my house mm. and Wolof mm-hmm. and say that with my friends. At the age of seven, you go to school, boom, it's French. And I'm like, why is this? This is not right. Yes. This is not how it's supposed to happen. Mm. Because I'm learning about Louis XIV in France and I'm learning about French history. Mm. Why? Maybe I don't. Do I have even a history then that's worth learning? Mm. Because this is so, it goes against what I've learned in my, in my family growing up. Yes. But then this one is the standards ones. This one is what the government is asking me to do. Mm. This is the content that they chose to mm. teach me. And I'm saying no. I remember I used to look at my <laughs> lessons, like in French, yeah. and I said in Wolof. 
like la deuxième guerre mondiale oh wow moi deuxième and then, and then i translate it for myself mm. i try to understand it. i don't memorize it you don't, tell me that again so you you read it in french and then to understand it more you translate Explain it to, it to myself in wolof why what, what does that do for you because i speak wolof i dream in wolof mm. i grew up surrounded by people speaking wolof you know what i mean yes It's a plus for me if I can get it in French. Yes, because I'm in school. Mm, yes. And that's that's I'm forced to do it that way. I don't have the choice. Yes. But at the same time, I can find my own narrative mm. and say it in the language that I'm comfortable with mm-hmm. in order to understand it more. Because every time that we do a lesson, what I'm learning is oh, another way that we were imposed to do, imposed to do this lesson. It's this way. Okay, who get to choose the content of my lessons? Like this is mm. primary school. Yes, I'm yes, telling you. I'm, yes. I'm like questioning all this. What is happening like with this systemic racism, oppression, mm. imperialism? Who am I as a person in this world? Yes. Why am I supposed to learn about French history? What do they learn in France? Not about you. <laughs> Not about me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like Those questions really like drove and built the person that I am today. And finding those answers, they led me to negritude, to pan-Africanism, to black feminism. Mm. Because I'm like, feminism, okay, all right. A way of thinking that centers women, yes. But what type of woman? Mm. It's a white woman. It's their way of living. It's their hairstyle. It's their way of dressing up. Mm. All those things. Mm-hmm. Where am I in this whole story? I'm going to rebuild my own history. Mm-hmm. You using the resources that I have because I do have resources. Yes. I speak how many languages? Five, six. <laughs> I learned Arabic in insane. high school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. I'm like I do have something to offer. Yes. So then, since I reach BA, which is in Senegal, where you can like craft your, you know, like specialization and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna do American studies. Okay, I and have a question for you. Oh, sorry, sorry, finish it. I'm gonna I'm do sorry. American studies, mm-hmm. but it's gonna be my umbrella. Oh. I am not doing white American well, yeah, studies. Well, that's what I was gonna understand. No, no. It's like, <laughs> because you, you, your PhD, is it, is it in English and American studies or American studies as the department, English as the focus? English is the department. Okay. American studies is the concentration. Concentration. And I worked on Francophone women writers from Senegal, wow. Martinique, yes. you know, yes. and I worked on the Harlem Renaissance, women of the Harlem Renaissance mm. who traveled to France, like mm. Pauline Nadal, for example. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Jesse Fossett went there. Sorry, Pauline Nada was from Martinique. Yes, Jesse yes. Fossett, Nella Larsen, they're all black women, writers of the Harlem Renaissance. Mm. But do we hear more about them? No. Who do we hear about? You think about Harlem Renaissance, Du Bois. Yes. Marcus Garvey. The you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claude McKay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Booker T. Washington. All those people, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know. You think about the American culture, the black American culture and history, mm. names of male writers, they, that's, that's what comes first, mm. you know. And I'm like, where are the women? Mm. I'm sure they were there, mm. you know. I'm sure they were doing most of the work. Yes. And that's how I learned that Jessie Fawcett was actually the editor of The Crisis, mm. and she would, in her everyday work, 
promote young writers, mm. young leaders, mostly women. Why? Because that's important to give them platform. Give them the platform. Mm. We need to give women more platform. Because you know what? That's the only thing they need. Because we mm. have everything. <laughs> Our everyday experiences teaches yes. us so, so much. Yes. So much. Yes. About systemic racism, about systemic oppression, about globalization, about whatever it is that we're going through today, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we experience it as women, as black women, as Fulani women, as Senegalese, as Wolofs woman, as a mother of three girls, as, 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 as. There are so many multiple layers of our identity as black women that we need to materialize, to use and say it without any shame, even if it's the pronoun that makes you fool. Do it. Say it. You know what I mean? Mm, yes, say it. Yes. That's why this mm. idea of Pan-Africanism, I just, it just, I define love it. it. Define it. Tell us. Pan-Africanism is just like, I think it's like the reunion of the black souls. Because they have been scattered everywhere around the world. And like that feeling of I'm looking at this person and I just love you, even if I don't know you. (laughs) I love you because I know that our history is the same. It's so similar. We, We all suffered from the same oppression, maybe in different places. You know what I mean? I do. You think about negritude. Mm-hmm. Negritude, you know what it is? It is a response. It's a response mm-hmm. to oppression. Because the word negre in French, mm-hmm. it means a similar, it has a similar meaning as an N word mm-hmm. in the US, for example. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In, in French, when they call you sale negre, it's like, you know what I mean? You're not even yeah. half human being. Like, you're not, you're not a person at all. Mm. So these writers in the 1930s, Leopold Sedar Senghor was there. We call it Black Paris because that's Leopold Sedar Senghor studying there. Mm. We have Paulette Nada studying there. We have Suzanne Cézé, the wife of Emma Cézé. Mm. We have Emma Cézé. We have Léon Gontrandama. We have Du Bois. We have so many Pan-Africanists that believe that, you know, like black people need to be one first. Because if you accept the separation, then you are implicitly participating in the oppression. Can you say that again? If you if you accept separation, like mm. saying lighter skin, for example, is superior to darker skin. Yes. You yes. accept that mm. because you have privilege with that, then you are participating in the oppression. Mm. Of your own people. You know, mm-hmm. there shouldn't be any separation. So what they did was they organized themselves. They found spaces where they could feel like, I enter that room and I feel I belong here. Mm. You know what I mean? I do. I do know what you mean. That's why I was part of the Graduate Student of Color Association at UMass. I was like, we need spaces where, like, I would just go and breathe. Because I feel that I'm safe. Mm-hmm. Because safety is important. I feel that I can share my, 
my frustration. I can talk about few things. I can talk about my experiences. I can't do that everywhere at no. UMass. <laughs> no, because people will be looking like that's her again. Like Walker <laughs> is always bringing these things. I don't understand. I'm like, I'm gonna say it. Yes. Like it or not, I don't care what you think. Mm. I have something to say. I'm gonna say it mm. because I'm here to teach you that. Yes, you grew up in a certain way. You grew up believing in a certain things. That doesn't make it the right thing. There are other people also living their own lives, having yes. their own culture, mm. and seeing the world in their own perspective. Yes, and that's important to acknowledge. I feel like the hardest thing for Americans to do <laughs> is to hardest thing. I don't know. You know. I don't even know why yet. I'm sure. Like, it's just what I'm realizing since living here that you know. If, when I am with Americans versus American expats versus Senegalese people, the conversations that are happening, the the openness to listening is completely different. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like there's a block. Yes. Like, I guess, like, I don't yes. think we're taught in our education. Mm-hmm. And in there, I grew up in New York, mm-hmm. and then I went to NYU. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we're just, I just was never really encouraged to truly not just, like, learn another language or learn another culture, but I mean, like, embrace it. Exactly. Get lost in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you have the right to do so. Yes. You do have the right to do so. Mm-hmm. It's not like a group of people telling you, hey, Lauren, you can't do this. Hey, Lauren, this is not how you're supposed to look yeah. when you're coming to class. This is not how you're supposed to speak. Mm-hmm. You don't understand these things. Like, let me t- every time what I do, I give them the, my background because I'm like, Oh my God! Look at this woman is here. I'm gonna <laughs> oh teach you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm gonna teach you. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, I'm here to learn too because I will learn until the last day of my life, like last hour, last second. Mm. <laughs> but I will also teach because I have something to say. I love that. That's important. That's what these black people in Paris did. You know, yeah. similar to the Harlem Renaissance, writing in French, using the French language, mm. but writing about their own realities. Mm. Mm-hmm. The experience of being black in Paris and being isolated from, from the mainstream, everything that's happening. If you get invited, and this is Paulette Nadal speaking, mm-hmm. she wrote a short essay called Elisa mm-hmm. in Exile, and Elisa is the main character. And Elisa said, oh my God, during the day, I'm used as a puppet. I'm used as the black, you know, girl that Mm. everybody wants to know and invite, Mm. you know, to their ceremonies and stuff. But I don't have friends. I'm so alone. Every time I go back to my room, I'm alone Mm. because I'm a black woman, because I don't Mm. belong. And she started thinking about Martinique, how the weather was warm, mm. how welcoming people are, how people recognize her humanity and that she doesn't have here. How Paris is like a blurb kind of to her. Mm. You know what I mean? I do not. These are like writers and actors and activists that really go very deep into what it means to be black in a racist world. Mm. what it means to be black in an oppressive world. Mm. A world that always cuts you off mm. through media, 
all the resources you can think about. If you think about it very well, you see that it's every time limitation. Mm -hmm. These are the standards. If you can't check all these things, you can't belong here. Why not? Mm. Why not? I don't know. You know? What draw me specifically about women of negritude mm. is I looked at the community and I looked at the interaction and I'm like, these women did something. They organized. Paulette Nadal, for example, created the Clamar Salon, where people come, talk about, you know, what's going on in Senegal, for example, <laughs> the politics of Mali, mm. you know, in Sudan, what's going on? What's our opinion about it? Yes. Why are we watching everybody make a story about who we are, what's going on, and just passively watch the thing go? Why mm. can't we be actors? Why can't we have a seat at the table and share our opinion? Mm. You know? Yes. And we realized, like, reading their essays, I saw, I'm like, they talk about negativity even before its birth. Yes. They talk about the black woman's conditions around mm. the world. They talk about black internationalism. They talk about pan-Africanism. They mm. talk about, you know, Africa as, like, the, the, the place that was destroyed by who? By white people. <laughs> You're like, let's be clear. Yeah, they came in. <laughs> yes. They came in. They found such a rich, dynamic culture, mm. way of life. You know, mm -hmm. but I was different from theirs. And that was the problem. They're like, mm -mm. let's erase everything. Like, this is not, this doesn't even exist. And build out and tell them, tell them how to live because they don't know how to live. What do you think that does to a human? Like, I'm, under, I'm trying to understand more of how displacement and erasure affect humans, even on a generational scale. It does. What, what in your opinion, do you think it does? It does unfortunately, it does. Because if you are framed in a certain way, you, don't, you won't believe in yourself anymore. Like, just have people every time tell you that you're not worth it. You don't have anything to say. Who are you? Mm. You know, you look beautiful. Your hair is so weird. Mm. Your accent, what are you talking about? I don't understand anything. You know, you're like trying to self-correct. You're like, mm. okay, maybe mm -hmm. I'll speak in this way. Maybe I will look this way. Yes. How about I bleach my skin? How about mm. I look more like in that standard? Yeah. So that I can be part of it because everybody needs that. We need that. The belonging. The belonging. You know, my experience in the U.S. with my daughters, that was like an everyday battle. Oh, my God. Like, from that. the teachers to the friends in the playground, to the friends, <laughs> friends in, in, the, in the, like, grocery store. Mm. To, I'm like, this is crazy. But everyone was just, like, staring? or just... Staring, listening, looking, commenting. And what, you what, know, was, what was going through your daughter? You know what I, what I told them? What you I taught them about Senegal. Mm. I made sure it was so hard to come every summer and spend the three months in Senegal. Because I'm like, this is who you are. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And the teachers, every time, are like surprised. They're like, 
Oh my god, me mother talk about Senegal all the time. <laughs> she said that she her cousins are blah blah blah. She has like 20 cousins. <laughs> and I said it's more. And they're like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> It's oh more than god. that. She didn't give me the right number. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. I have to ask. I have to ask. Um and this, the same thing happened with Ali Yoon in the conversation where we're talking about everything. And it's, it's all through this entry point of black hair, which brings us here, yes. this conversation of identity, <laughs> right? But I understand, as someone who's passionate about this topic, how this relates. I yeah. understand like, where those through lines are and how it relates to what you're saying about familial generations, the richness of a culture, understanding yourself. Um, but I'd love to hear your opinion and also just as a... Um, someone who is you know, still in their, their learning process in the beginning of their research, mm-hmm. how can I remain enthralled by a topic that people often hear me say that I want to study and then they're mm-hmm. like, what are you going to do with that? Or like, you, like one person literally said to me here, it was this white French man, and he said, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, my research. And he's like, what's your research? And I was like, oh, black hair. And he's like, are you going to help people with that? Oh and I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, what are you doing? I, yeah, yeah. And I almost freaked out. Um, but <sighs> from your, like, in your own experience and way, like, do you have any uh, advice for me? Oh, my God. You're doing something amazing. Black hair is the roots. That's like, I always say my hair is my choice. My hair is personal. My hair is my identity. The way that I want to look is what's gonna define who Quarka is. You know what I mean? Mm. You not only like hair, okay, let's, let's get a little bit of history here. What's the standard of beauty? Like Eurocentric beauty standards. Exactly. Blonde hair, blue eyes, da da da, you know, mm. all that. The, the wider you get, the better, you know, points you get into beauty standards. Mm. That's, that's not right. Because black hair is so rich. Because it mm. comes into so many different types. So many different, different texture. Mm. That's what makes it rich. You know, today I, I felt like having my beads on <laughs> and my braids. Tomorrow you can have afro. Mm. You can cut your hair. It's going to grow again, kinky and very beautiful. Mm. Through you know, like hair that you're doing, that you're studying. You are just doing like, like that's the center of the black history. Hmm. The center of black history is hair. You know, I have a lot of friends, you know, African-American, we always talk about our hair. Like, when you talk about hair, we feel the connection right away. Like, it's so, mm. it, it brings, it's like Pan-Africanism. I can say mm, that, yes, Hair is like Pan-Africanism. Is. That's fascinating. It is. It mm. is Pan-Africanism. Because you were denied your hair. You were denied the way, the natural way that your hair, hair grow. You know? Mm, yes. You were denied to just let it grow. No. You have to comb it. You have to make it, you know, like... A certain way yes. in order to get the approval of who? The oppressors. So black hair is identity. It's a black identity. Black hair is Pan-Africanism to me. What you're studying is really the roots of black history. So whoever is asking you, they're just ignorant. 
as always. You know, unfortunately, mm. the world is made with these people. Mm. Like, they'll be like, what do you do? And you say something that they don't know yes. instead of asking you, what drove you to that? Yes. Oh, so I can learn. Yes. No. It's going to be like, that's weird. Why are you doing that? You know what I mean? Yes. And, and that's horrible. Yes. But that's a good way to motivate yourself. Because that's what we've been, like everybody has been growing up. If you are a black woman, mm-hmm. a black person, at any point in your life, I'm telling you, someone told you that what you're doing is weird or not interesting or blah, blah, blah. Mm. But you keep going. Because you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for our daughters, you know, who are going to grow and listen to this, for example, and read your work. And be like, wow, yes, I am beautiful with my hair. I don't need to do anything special with it mm. if I don't want to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, that's powerful. That's really powerful. And that inspired me a lot. I'm like, I need to start a blog <laughs> for you. Because this needs to be in French as well. Because you need to reach out to more people yeah. to read how important your hair is. It's scary because a lot of the inspiration behind this podcast comes from my own relationship with my hair, which was not a healthy relationship. <laughs> and like very much just lots of feelings come up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be scary to be like, hey, everyone, like, look at this. Look at me writing about black hair. And it's that, that idea of denial that you were talking about that sparks something in me that keeps me coming back. You're like, I don't, I don't know what that is, though. And it sounds like, it sounds like you might have like, that, too. That, yeah, I have that. That's part of the, of the thing. That, that, that feeling yeah. means that you're doing great things to keep going. I'm telling you, <laughs> that feeling is totally normal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the feeling I had when I was writing my dissertation. It almost feels like fight or flight. It's like, exactly. you know what I mean? It's exactly. like, I should run or like, yeah. I should just like stay and like get through it. And like, I, when that happens to me, you know what I do? What do you do? I think about why. Hmm. Because what drove you to do this is so powerful. Hmm. And that's that one thing that will keep you going. You know, in my department, I was the only one doing Francophone women writers. In the American studies department? Yes. That doesn't really surprise me. But it hurts me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was the only one doing it. Hmm. I had to go to other colleges and identify faculty that understand me, understand what I'm doing and why. I was not ready to change it. Many people told me you should change this topic because you, you will not have enough resources. Hmm. But I'm like, who are you to tell me <laughs> you know, what I should write about? Yeah. This is me. This is my identity. This is my story. And I'm going to say it the way that I want to say it. Hmm. Not the way you're telling me to say it. I say it the way I want to say it. And I believe that I can say it the way I want to say it. I think that hope and belief is amazing. That's what will keep you going with this amazing project. This is so important. Like you do, you redoing history, rewriting history. Because history has said that your hair is not beautiful. Is not important. Like, what's important about your hair that you're gonna, you know what I mean? Why are you gonna focus on this? Yes. What's important? 
You know what I mean? Yes. And you're saying, here is why. Mm. Here is why, and I'm going to teach you another way of looking at me and at my hair. I'm going to overturn the bad experiences that I have about my hair, that I had in the past about my hair. Mm. I'm going to change that. You know why? Because there will be other Lauren, younger girls, who may be safe facing the same thing. But if they learn from you, it won't affect them as much. Because they'll believe that, oh, look at her, look at her. She did it. I can do it too. I get to that point also mm -hmm. when I was at the University of Shehantajo. Mm -hmm. I had a faculty, I think she was, there were like two or three female faculty mm -hmm. out of like 50 something, you know. Mm -hmm. but, and I look at her, the way that she, she's so charming, you know, the content she, she, she like she did her job 100%, even more, because she would meet with us outside of her hours mm -hmm. to tell us about, you know, how we could do this and that's so important and i'm like i have to give back that to the younger girls to my daughters to my nieces to my friends whoever you know needs that because if you don't have that push mm. you may stop and if you stop that disaster because you're gonna do amazing things you will affect a lot of people's life positively I'm telling you. It's scary. That's okay. Because living is scary. Living itself, life, is scary. Because there are certain things that you don't know about. Whenever you have a new transition, like new something happening, mm. you're nervous because mm -hmm. you don't know what to expect. But man, remember the why. You're doing this because that's very important. You want to retell stories. You want to rewrite history. You want to have a positive impact on people, on black people, specifically black girls mm. with their hairs. That's very, very, very important and amazing. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you, God. It's really, really amazing. I'm telling you. 10 years from now, you will be remembering this conversation. I don't, we will I'm, be the experts that everybody will be calling like, tell me, we need this workshop for this elementary school because we have some black people in the classroom and we want you to tell them about black hair, about their identity, about who they are, about how they should behave in this world, about trusting themselves and having hope that they can transform lives. That's going to happen. God made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm you. Ah, I feel emotional. <laughs> emotional. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. That's true, Lauren. You're doing amazing things. It's, you have it's, to keep going. You have to keep going. How do I balance it with like? I feel like, especially in living in Dakar, there's such a juxtaposition of. Mm -hmm wealth mm -hmm. and the exact opposite of wealth yes and you can see it within two minutes of each other and so sometimes I like go back to my room and I sit down and I think you know 
what are the problems that need to like be mm-hmm. talked about mm-hmm. and how and like is hair like a, is that valuable and like I know that it's valuable I know it's important I know that like on ident- an identity level but there's so many times where the world just feels so overwhelming mm-hmm. the war in Ukraine and it's like well, yeah, what does yeah. black hair have to do with the war how do you like navigate and choose or do mm-hmm. you choose mm-hmm. the issues that are of importance to you or to focus on mm-hmm. um, and to make of importance to other too without the, feeling like you're taking up too much space that's life that's life <laughs> yeah yeah I'm telling you mm-hmm. getting the the right balance mm-hmm. of, you know, how much do I do something? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What are the choices that I'm making? It's hard. But at the same time, at least for me, mm-hmm. you know what helps me? What helps me is to see positive changes happening. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm part of it, kind of, a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't save the world. You can't save everybody. But you can produce something that a girl like in Tambakunda, for example, mm-hmm. sees and just got that click of, oh, yes, I too can do things. I too deserve to build things and share what I want, what I have to share in this world. I have mm-hmm. something to bring. I'm something. I'm a human being. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. The world today is made that way. And the easy way out is always be like, that's not my fault. I can't do anything about this. I'm sorry, but I can't intervene. You know what I mean? But whenever you get the, oh, the, 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 the time, even if it's a 30-minute time, do it. And then come back to your own whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Have that conversation. Read that book. Comment that. Go to, like, the workshop. Volunteer. You know, there's so many different ways Mm -hmm. to do things Mm -hmm. that can have impact on other people and that doesn't drive you, like, crazy because you just want suddenly solutions to every problem. That is not possible. That's not going to happen. Unfortunately, but what can happen is that you think globally and you act locally. Think globally, act locally. Yes. Mm, I love that. Act locally. See how you're using your time. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. how am I using my time? Because you need to be healthy in order to help other people. Mm. If you are like overwhelmed by everything, you won't be like, Precisely thinking about strategically, you know, having an impact on people. Mm. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But also, if you're using your time wisely, find 30 minutes, find some time to reflect on things and see how can I be, you know, useful. Mm. And I do it. How can I be useful to other people? Okay, question for you. I just want to make sure I'm respecting your time as well. No, that's fine. This okay. is so cool. I was <laughs> um, what is something that, you know, I'm picturing before I would go to sleep, I loved bedtime. I love when my dad and mom would come in, read me books. Sometimes my dad would sing. And it's just like a strong memory that I have. Um, 
and I find my mind going back to in moments of discomfort. Mm -hmm. What do you tell your kids in those moments when you tuck them in and when you're, you know, putting them to rest? Like, what's what's that kind of advice that you offer to Mm -hmm. your your three girls? What I do is usually, you know, I growing up, my grandma would like just. You know, oral, oral, orality is important in our culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she would like, you know, sing a song, tell a stories, but as a group, like everybody is mm-hmm. sitting, mm-hmm. you know, and then we would tell stories, we would talk, we would, it was just a peaceful moment to transition to bedtime. Mm-hmm. So what I do, I try, first of all, the choices of stories that I buy for my daughters, the content, mm-hmm. I look into the content. <laughs> I'm not teaching them or reading them something that's not related to mm-hmm. who they are. Mm-hmm. Something that reinforces their, this, their, their you know, lack of self-confidence. I'm not mm-hmm. reading them that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm reading them content in which that, that can teach them something. Mm. And that's what my grandma used to say. Like they, in, in, in Senegal, for example, some of our oral, you know, stories that we tell children, it's about animals and each animal has a specific role, for example. Mm-hmm. And that teaches you there's always a moral in the story. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell them. Mm-hmm. Even if I, I tell a story about fruits, for example, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. There will be a, a, a moral lesson in there, like, should not waste food that's not good mm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's small but that's Imagine. so important yes yes we're talking about climate change why do we have it because we over exploit it like we we just wasting so much but mm-hmm. we don't even personally like at the personal level think about it that's what i tell them mm-hmm. whatever story sometimes i tell them to tell me stories Oh, that's so funny. Like, (laughs) the story starts here and ends there, and then goes back, and and then then it's the end, and they're like, no, it's actually not the end. I'm going to (laughs) add something. You know what I mean? Letting letting them be... The imagination. The power of imagination. The power of imagination. You know, Mm -hmm. my daughters, like, every time what I tell them, especially when we were in the U.S., Mm -hmm. it was hard mm-hmm. because you know like they couldn't fit 100 percent. like mm-hmm. they're not like the white kid mm-hmm. that's supposed to be smarter you know more beautiful whatever whatever so i had to do a lot of the lack of like history that she has a lot of lack of education mm-hmm. to fill in and then that's the time of the day that way i do it it's night time after eating, we talk about it. I'm like, what did you do at school today? And then she tells me something. And I'm like, well, what do you think about that? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, just reflect on it and tell me what you think about it. And then from there, we just talk mm-hmm. about serious stuff. And I'm like, what if I didn't ask the question? You know what I mean? Yes. What if I did not, mm. I did not take time to tell her that what you think is super important to me? into the world that helped her like she's always like the first in her classroom and i'm like Mm -hmm. you know why you can do this because you believe in yourself there's no magic in this world no magic (laughs) you are taught yes the way that you should think 
sometimes if it's not the good way of it's not a way that kind of just like get your potentials out you can redirect it you mm. know a pinch of here a pinch of there and then you put it together build it yourself mm. and make it yourself make it your own so what we do also with my daughters at night mm-hmm. is because we are muslim mm-hmm. i teach them a surah every night and then we all do it together before sleeping mm. even if they're not with me they're so used to doing that it's like prayer that we do mm-hmm. you know we read stories and then we do our prayers before sleeping and we talk about our day because i i want them to know that what you do in the day you should weigh it and see mm. did i do something that's really really cool crucial important or did i spend my day just like wandering everywhere well i'm losing time because every day i lose every day that that goes i lost it mm. i i cannot come back yesterday for example so i'm going to craft myself thinking about time and my presence in this earth and what i can teach people mm. and what i what i can learn also from people Corey, this conversation has been amazing and eye opening and all of the feelings and i have a question for you if that's okay sure please um, <laughs> ask i'm here <laughs> We um, have this concept of a generous thinker. I had a mentor and professor who once called me, you know, she was like, Lauren, you think very generously. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't quite know what she means, but like, I like it. Um, and I like that she sees me in that way. And I'm wondering how you would define a generous thinker. Yeah, I think, I think for me, a generous thinker is, you know, I, I mentioned earlier how we were born in this world we didn't bring anything with us but people taught us books through books watching interacting you learn from other people you if you isolated yourself from the world i don't think you would be like you know thinking in all these different perspectives you have mm. these different perspectives because you have different experiences you know what i mean and a generous thinker takes always what they think is the best what they learn and teach it to other people so that those people when they come you know in wall of they say kula jitu ci ne bulandam molay wax la fum nek it means when i enter a dark room and i tumble onto the table and i fell and i fall and you coming and i'm like loren when you come in on your right there is a table yeah so turn left you know what i mean the person behind you telling the person before. behind you what you didn't know before telling the person oh, behind you oh that's yeah telling the person behind you what could be some mm. of the issues that they may face well considering that that person may have a different experience mm. so being respectful of you know everybody's experience being their own but it also i think for example as someone that grew up here went to the us study coming back if i see my sister for example planning to do the same i can say okay when you go be sure to organize be on associations for 
black people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, uh, advo- be an advocate because that's important. Mm-hmm. And have fun also because the PhD is dense, but you also want to make friends and all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I am doing that because I'm, I think that's what a generous thinker would do. Thank you so much. I love this conversation. No, I could talk with you for hours. This is like oh our first time God. really sitting down to talk too. Can we talk a little bit about literature? Yeah, please. Because one of your questions was about literature and it kept me thinking about like the language that we're using and how important it is. Mm-hmm. And I know Ngugi um, Wachongo, for example, the Kenyan writer, mm-hmm. talks about the hierarchy hierarchy of languages mm. and how mentally so this is like decolonizing the mind the essay mm. yeah how mentally we automatically believe for example that french or english are the language they are like the first yes and then we have a hierarchy of well, what's what second language could could come and mm. then what's the third language and what's the fourth language he was like no they just languages. Language is a means to communicate. Yes. That's it. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mentally getting away from the belief that French is the language. I'm taking the example mm-hmm. of Senegal. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible? Like people it can... is. Mm-hmm. It is. It's total, and it's beautiful when it happens. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful when it happens. Because then, if you choose to speak Wolof, for example... You see Wolof as something that really crafted your identity. Hmm. We have the proverbs, we have the, the, the sayings, we have the stories, we have a lot of the things that like makes a society into that specific language. Hmm. And then you go to Fulani, you have the same richness there. You know what I mean? I Why would you believe then? that another language is better than your own language. So what do we do about the idea of that certain, like, like you said, you said by the time you got to school, um, you had to learn French. What do we do, and the reason why you should do that is if you wanted a certain job or to go to a certain direction, you need to learn these languages. What do we do about the idea that like, to get certain opportunities, you have to learn your oppressor's language? That's when you need to do what Chinua Achebe calls. He says, use the language as a tool. That's it. Mm. That's it. Like, I'm using... Mm. Not as a form of identity. No. Not as a form of as erasure. As a, tool a tool to communicate. So the oh, content... that's interesting. Exactly. The content of what you communicate, you are the one that's going to define it. Mm. Lauren Nespa, you are the one that's going to choose what do you want to communicate using that language, just as a tool. And I love that. Okay, something I have to add is that I'm realizing while living here, the amount of frameworks that I have. And I didn't know, I came into this experience with very few expectations, kind of intentionally, and I didn't understand what I was exactly gonna get out of it, but I'm understanding how many frameworks I have just embedded into my own day-to-day experience. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And with the language and language learning and trying to understand, seeing other cultures speak other languages, I'm understanding how linguistic analysis can help me. It just, it's not about like what question I ask or the answer to that question, it's the framework in which I'm asking that question. Exactly.
Nummer Framework. <lacht> I know, I know. That's not one of those things you learn. Is, uh, you gotta like be a person to like figure that out. <lacht> you learn it like from experience. Yeah, you gotta like go places. <lacht> That's so funny. But yeah, I mean, it, it's. I, I also wanted to share, I, like, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. She had a TED talk called mm. The Danger of a Single Story. It's about, you know, the danger of seeing the media portraying, for example, African oh, okay, kids, yes, 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 hungry yes. kids walking mm-hmm. around, people living in trees, and then you believe in that? Yep. And robbing people of their dignity? based on the media that you're reading, based on the interactions that you're having with people. It's an amazing TED Talk. You mm. have to listen to it. Okay, I will. It's only 18 minutes long. I teach it every semester to my students mm. at UMass. And we always, through the readings that I choose, we always get back to it. We like, I remember when she said, you know, this story about how, for example, she, when she came to the U.S., her roommate automatically told her, Like she was listening to, I don't know, Rihanna or somebody, like some of those mm-hmm. singers in the U.S. And the roommate was like, you know this person? <laughs> was like, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> It's like some of the questions that I received when I was, my first time in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, white people would be like, oh, where are you from? From Senegal. Oh. You guys, have you ever seen an elephant or a, a, an a elephant. snake? <laughs> a snake or oh, no. a s- Do you guys have Wi-Fi? <laughs> And I'm like, are you just kidding me? Sometimes- no way you switched your accent. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have Wi-Fi? Oh, no. <laughs> like, sometimes I get so mad. Yeah. But then I'm like, <sighs> breathe and tell them. And I tell them, I'm like, yeah, we do. We have Wi-Fi. Oh <laughs> we, we have buildings. Yes. You know? Yes. We go to school. We watch TV. We have phones. We have, you know, computers. Mm. I've never seen an animal before. <laughs> I saw a deer in Massachusetts. I saw skittles running around. That's This funny. doesn't exist in, in the car where I live. I have never seen, like... <laughs> you said deer. Yeah, that's valid. That's really bad. One time I drove and then a deer was crossing the road. And I'm like, this is very interesting. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> no, that's fair. But that's the framework, the context. <sighs> the framework is important. So yeah. get your framework. It doesn't have to be one framework. Many frameworks that helps you understand where you're going. And use them. Use them all too. Use them all. Use them all. There's no limitation. No limitation in this world. That's what I believe. <laughs> I feel like I could run a marathon. I'm like inspired. I'm excited. I'm <laughs> wow. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Of course. Thank, thank you. This is amazing. Things. Seriously. Like, this is just, this is amazing. Thank you for doing that. It's something really, 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 really important. I'm telling you.
hope you keep doing this. <laughs>